Today, uh, we're really going to be talking about um, where we are currently with athletics. Uh, we want to share with those of you that are joining us and those who may watch this video later where we are getting our information and the rules under which we have to uh, operate. So joining me today are Bob Hadfield, the athletic director for Downlord High. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. And Paige Swan, who um, is the athletic director for our seventh and eighth grade programs throughout the district. Hey, Paige. Hey, it's nice to be back. Thank you for having me. And for those of you uh, I haven't met, my name is Jeff Harris. I'm the county and district superintendent of schools. So, um, guys, if it's okay with you, I, I kind of want to dig in a little bit first. Well, I shouldn't say dig in. I just want to give people an idea of the guidance that we're under, and then you can kind of work through it a little bit more to talk about the particulars um, of each of your uh, programs and where we're going over the next few weeks and, of course, the next three months. So what I want to share first, what I want to share first is where we're getting the guidance and some of the requirements that we have around masking and distancing and um, uh, adults in attendance and all those kind of things. So you may be aware that um, mid-February, there was guidance that was issued, uh, updated guidance actually, that was issued um, that went through athletics. So uh, this talks about things like face coverings, it talks about people who can be in attendance, it talks about limitations for competition, and um, it reinforced these different forms of uh, athletic play that were allowable. Now, when we talk about allowable play, and we'll be talking about that kind of throughout the day, these highlighted athletic competitions are allowable because they're outdoors. Um, and there, there are specific criteria for those things. Now, when you hear the word not allowable sports, we're talking about all the indoor sports. So what you're going to see at the bottom of this document, this is for outdoor high contact sports. Um, these are for allowable outdoor moderate contact sports. All of the indoor sports are not authorized. So there are some criteria that we have to follow. Now, there was new guidance that came out. We're going to talk about the confusion around the guidance a little bit later. There was new guidance that came out just Friday. The new guidance on Friday um, states that not only do we have to follow all of that other guidance that you just saw, but we're also required to follow the COVID-19 guidance for in institutions of higher ed. So now when you look at that, we're required at the high school level and the middle school level to follow the athletic guidance that colleges have to follow as well. So um, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit today, uh, but I just want you to know that all of these documents are online. You can review these documents. And if you're anything like uh, Bob and Paige and, and uh, our coaches and me, we have questions about all these documents. They're not clear. Um, sometimes they're even contradictory. But um, today we want to kind of dig in to see where we are 
with athletics in our community. <laughs> so, you know, Bob, I think we've already started athletics at the high school level. Absolutely. So do you mind telling us kind of where we are now and what we can be expecting? Okay, where we are currently, we're offering football, boys and girls soccer, uh, boys golf and girls tennis. Those are the four that are currently in play. Our hope is if, the, if approved by the league, we will be able to start volleyball March 15th. That's our hope. It's got to meet league approval. We're going to talk about that Friday at a league meeting. It has to be voted on by the principals of all the league schools. Uh, with that said, we're also hoping that on April 5th, they will approve the start of baseball, softball, and track. There is no date truly determined yet for basketball and wrestling. They're at the very bottom. Uh, so that'll unfold as the others take place. As far as football right now, we are in one of those guidelines, the testing guideline for football. We have to test football once a week uh, prior to any competition with another team. Uh, and that's a process in itself that we're working through the district, work through with county health. We have to have that in place. Uh, if we fall us below an adjusted case rate of below seven, there's no testing required for football. Right now, Del Norte County is above seven. Humboldt County is below seven, so they don't have to test. We do. Uh, that creates a little problem for us, but we'll work through it. Most importantly, be ready to play by next Friday. Testing in place, and we got to hope that the Humboldt schools are have their testing process in place. Also, soccer, there's no need to test. There is a need for all the social distancing. As far as what what type of uh, Fans are allowed into the stadiums. Would you like me to discuss that? Well, let, let's kind of back up a little bit. So right now we've got, what, what were the sports again, Bob? Right now we have football, boys and girls soccer, girls tennis, boys golf. Okay. And um, do we just finished the season, right? Or uh, what we're calling the season this year? Well, we finished, we started out February 1st. We were allowed, we participated in cross country, uh, boys tennis, and girls golf. Right. Uh, that is now completed. So, and, and Paige, what's it been looking like at the middle school so far? Well, good afternoon. Uh, I can't, I just wanted to start by saying how happy I am that we're finally having this discussion. Uh, <laughs> I know we've waited almost a year to the date, and uh, it has really got my blood pumping, along with, of course, all of our coaching staffs and volunteers. So, right now, what it's looking like, uh, first of all, I'd like everyone to know that we've had several meetings, um, not only at the administrative level as we've dug through this guidance, but secondly, uh, we've had uh, a couple meetings just with our coaching staff to kind of go through this guidance and have discussions. So there's been a lot of preliminary work that's been done, uh, a lot of conversations. And so with that being said, um, I can um, tell you that we're currently planning to start our junior high track season on April 12th. That's the Monday that we return from spring break. And then um, we're hoping to have three to four meets uh, during that track season and then follow up with soccer uh, starting on May 10th. And uh, of course, we're really excited to have a soccer season in May because it'll be some of the best weather um, that we've had for a while uh, during a soccer season. So that's what we're looking at right now are, are those seasons. Um, both of those sports, uh, there is no cuts at the junior high level. So all 
of the students, sixth through eighth grade, are welcome to participate. And we really want to encourage uh, those sixth graders out there to get involved in track. I know over the years they've been hesitant because they're competing against seventh and eighth graders, but it gets them that early start. And by when they come in as a seventh grader, they know exactly what field events they want to participate in or running events. It gives them a real head start. So we really want to encourage those sixth graders to come out this year and, and join our, our respective teams. Um, we are still, you know, you know, working with public health and uh, we're still receiving, you know, diving through this guidance and we're still looking for ways to offer other programs. Uh, but at this time, um, we're real happy that we're going to be able to offer track along with soccer, their co-ed sports. And again, we can, we'll be able to welcome all that want to participate. Well, that's great, Paige. So basically, 6-8, any student who wants to sign up and participate has the ability to do that. Yes. So yeah. I think that, that that's a big push to make sure that kids get out, get active, and get involved, you know, early on. So, you know, one question that's already popped up is, you know, Bob and I are here in the same room. We're about six feet apart, um, but we have on masks. What what does the what are the masking requirements and distancing requirements um, for the different athletic events? Masks are required for uh, well, if we're talking uh, spectators, if we're talking participants. Participants say masks are required unless you're in a high exertion mode. In other words, if you're out there playing, you don't have to have a mask on. If you're on the sidelines, if the coach is talking to you, you need to be masked up. All coaches will, will be wearing masks. But once again, as far as the, act, the actual sport and play, while they're participating in the sport, there's no mask required. The minute they come to the sidelines, the minute they sit down, the minute they're pulled out of the game, mask has, has, must be on. Now, could could an could a athlete choose to wear a mask, Bob? Absolutely. Okay. So, right. And the less strenuous sports, uh, they, they can choose to wear a mask. If they're on a golf course, they can choose to wear a mask. Uh, playing tennis, they could choose to wear a mask if, if they so choose. Right. Uh, but, but coaches have to wear them all the time. Coaches have to wear masks all the time. Anybody that comes in the gates have to wear them all the time. Anybody in attendance should have a mask on. Okay. And Paige, is that the same thing that you're hearing at the uh, middle school level? Absolutely. And uh, my understanding at this time, when it comes to physical distancing, um, you know, those athletes that are on the sidelines are expected to physical uh, distance as well. And so that's going to be an important part uh, the masking as well as the physical distancing as we move forward and get our sports underway. So one of the questions that popped up, and remember, we do have Q&A at the bottom of the screen. Um, you can go ahead and type a question, and we'll try to get to everybody who, who does have a question today. One question was, if students are being tested, um, why do they have to wear masks? So, um, again, like Bob said, if they're involved in kind of that heavy physical exertion, then the masks are, um, are optional. Um, that is under CDPH guidelines, and I am so sorry, but my camera just cut out, so I'll have to re, uh, reorient the camera after it finishes resetting. Um, for those of you who have been on these webinars before, you know that it has a really bad habit of doing that right in the middle of these. Um, so what we're the, – the testing – oh, and I'm sorry, guys, this is – 
Paige, are you still seeing Bob and me? Yes, I am. Okay, I, I'm, I apologize. That's about all I can do right now with the uh, with the camera. So, um, with the testing, even though students have been tested, the reason that they're required to wear the masks, and I'm just going to be honest here, we have to follow the guidelines that have been set by CIF, by the California Department of Public Health, um, and that are enforced by our own local Department of Public Health. And they say that our students are to be required to wear masks. Um, I can't tell you the science behind that. I can't tell you um, anything else other than they are required to be masked when they are not engaged in play, even after they've been tested. You know, kind of what Bob was talking about a minute ago. Um, we are required to have at least weekly testing for our students that are involved in football. Football. Right. And so we're currently working with public health. We will be having, um, so there are testing centers around through OptumServe, uh, but we will also be having antigen tests that will be provided to the football team um, and the coaches by our staff or public health staff um, each week, uh, especially, uh, well, mostly toward the end of the week, but especially on those weeks when we have games, because they do have to be um, tested with results prior to competition. Yes, sir. So, um, and those tests are all going to be paid for by the state or by um, public health. So we're, we're going to make sure that we have those out. Matter of fact, we've been talking about having our first round of comprehensive testing done um, for the teams this Friday. So, um, that's kind of where we are as far as that goes. Now, Bob, one question that we got too was what about physicals? Every participant, no matter what year we're in, you have to have a sports physical and a completed sports packet. They're available online at dni.org, or you can come to the office physically and pick up a sports packet. It's quite an extensive packet that requires a lot of different signatures because of ed code. There's a lot of different fact sheets that you need to be aware of. But yes, you have to have a sports physical before you can try out or participate. And where can they get those physicals? Uh, the physicals are available. You have to call your local provider to make sure they're offering physicals. I know of one medical provider that will not do physicals this year, but they're readily available at different places in the community. I know you could call Sutter directly or walk-in urgent care. There's There are places available. Uh, and most providers, if you're a patient, they're doing physical. Just one provider isn't. Okay. And I think if you have any more questions about that, you can contact the high school and get a little bit more information. Because I, I know that my, my doctor is not seeing anyone in person, hasn't for quite a while. Right. Um, so uh, what, and another question too, um, in talking about the different sports that are going on, I know that it's not a recognized sport that we have through CIF. But um, what's going on with our cheer club at the high school? Yeah, well, cheer, cheer. Uh, they will be able to cheer at the Friday night football games. I've, I've spoken with the cheer coach. She's aware of that. Uh, it's going to be a little different in the sense that there will be no halftime entertainment. They, they're, they're not being allowed to be out on the field. Uh, but they can do their traditional sideline cheers from the track, social distancing involved, and be a part of it. Uh, our band, unfortunately, will not be there. Uh, be very limited on the crowd size. In fact, no general public will be admitted. Uh, we can well, discuss so, that. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit too. So, um, you know, we're 
this is an athletic community, right? People come out Absolutely. for all the different sports that we do. Each sport has its loyal following. Some people, you know, get frustrated because they can't be at more than one whenever right. something's going on. Right. Um, when we talk about, and, and I think the question we got is how many spectators would be allowed at sporting events. And so I think it's different if we're talking indoor or outdoor. Absolutely. We know we have outdoor sports. So um, both Bob and Paige, when we talk about spectator guidelines, how many people can actually be present to watch an event? Uh, from the high school's perspective, as far as the outdoor events, uh, the league has set the parameters based on the guidelines given by the state, which state, uh, immediate household members only. Now, that's a pretty self-explanatory statement, I would think. Immediate household members only. What we decide as a league is not every household will be the same size, but we as a league decided it's based on our facilities. We all have a good idea of how large each stadium is. Enabled to bring in immediate household members and keep the six-foot social distancing and that that group all sit together we, we agreed upon four immediate household members for each participant. So just for example, if it's a cheerleader, she's, she's going to submit the names to her coach. That name will be at the gate. Those four people will come in, those four only for, her, for that participant. Same with the football player. They will submit four names that they're going to allow to come to that game. And those are the four people we'll allow in. There's no admission. Uh, nobody will be allowed into the stadium until probably 10 to 15 minutes before the start of the game. Anybody in attendance for a JV game, when that game is over, they will be asked to leave the stadium. Nobody attending the varsity game will be allowed to come into the stadium until everybody has exited for the JV game and approximately 10 to 15 minutes before the start of the varsity game. Uh, so once again, it's four household, immediate household members. They tell us who the four are. We, we mark them off the list as they come in. Each game, they can pick four new household members, depending on the size of their household. That's We're not going to get into to who's who, and we understand there are some families that are separated, uh, but they're going to have to decide who those four people are. And that's for outdoor sports. Yeah. Uh, and that's something we have to strictly adhere to, and people will be masked, and those groups will have to sit together. Uh, there'll be areas in the stadium marked off four X's on the bleachers. We'll, we'll mark it all off. You'll have a separate entrance from the visitors. The visitor will have their own entrance. Uh, the bathrooms will not be shared by the, by the visitors and the home team. The home team, there'll be porta potties on each side. Uh, so there's no mixing there. There'll be no concessions, no food or drink allowed in the stadium. Uh, but we'll get more on that. The, the idea is we got kids playing again. Right. It's not so much that everybody gets to come watch them, but that they get to play. And we have to adhere to these guidelines. Now, now that being said, and, and Paige, just really quickly, I'm assuming since we're all trying to follow kind of the streamlined CIF, that's kind of what we're looking at at the middle school level as well. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're yeah. going to follow that guidance with uh, immediate household members. Uh, the beauty in, in, you know, with track, uh, we're in a large open area you know, uh, we'll be able to take advantage of not only the home side, but the visitor side when it comes to spacing. And we can get creative with inside uh, the, the field itself with spacing people. And when it comes to soccer, I've, I've talked with our maintenance team. And when they go to actually uh, 
lay out the field with the lines, they're going to actually create lines so that people know that between each household, there will be six, uh, six feet of distancing. So they'll be able to easily see with the lines that we put out there around the soccer fields uh, where that spacing needs to take place. And, and I think the other thing for folks to understand, too, is we will be making sure to the fullest extent that we can um, that we're live streaming every event that we can live stream, whether that's a middle school soccer game, um, high school football, um, everything. And Bob and Paige and I have been uh, working with our team, uh, Ron Gastineau, Ryan Botton, Michael Hawkins, to really talk about how do we blanket our facilities with the live streaming capability. Because if by public health order, we cannot allow the general public into a game, we want you to be part of that. You know, um, we wanna see our kids be successful. We wanna see our kids be um, uh, participating in, in athletics and, and we want you to be part of that too. So we will be working through with that. Um, Bob and Paige both, another question was on academic eligibility and probation. Right. So how are we addressing those issues? Because this has been a really weird 12 months for our kids. It has been. Unfortunately, they still have to follow CIF guidelines when it comes to GPA. Now, probation, we have a little flexibility if we want to offer a kid academic probation, but there's no getting around the, the, uh, the 2.0 GPA. Uh, if they don't have a 2.0 GPA at the, at the end of the last grading period, it was last Friday, we can look back at their semester grade. If they had a 2.0, at least that semester, we can use academic probation. We're waiving the F rule. There was a, there were, we had a district policy that if you had more than one F, you were ineligible. Uh, it's been tough. The adjustment for a lot of the students has been real tough, although we did say grades would matter from August on. We made that real clear. So they all knew. Uh, so some of them have chosen not to do so well. Now that they know sports are happening, miraculously, their grades are coming up. So all of a sudden, they figured it out. But uh, it, it, we're making some exceptions. We're doing our best. Uh, we're using the five-and-a-half-week grading period progress report as a grading period. That has helped. And the next grade come out April 2nd. Uh, so, yes, they, they are in place, and we cannot overlook that. That's a state rule. So, so for students that are struggling to catch up right now, there's still time. Uh, we right. still have three weeks before the end of that, this grading period, yes. right? Right. And most, like I said, most of the other stores aren't starting until April 5th. Right. Uh, I'm happy to say we did not lose any varsity football players to grades. We lost a few junior varsity football players. Uh, the, the other sports we had going, uh, the other three sports we just completed, one student was, was ineligible because of grades. <coughs> And I'm currently looking at the soccer roster. We may lose one or two at soccer. Girls tennis is good. Uh, boys golf is good. That's good. Paige, what about middle school? What What are the rules there as far as academic eligibility? You know, the, the rules for um, junior high athletic sports is very similar to the high school. Uh, you must have a 2.0 in order to particip participate. Um, if you're under that 2.0 with 1F, we do have an option of academic probation. Um, and we will as well be looking at um, the progress or grades that will be coming out in three weeks. We're hoping that um, now that this big announcement's out, you know, I know that we have ramped up our after school program. We have ramped up our satellite programs where um, we, we've added uh, over 20 kids um, mm -hmm. just just this uh, 
Well, we started midweek. So just in the last few days, we've been able to add these kids to give them that extra support. So we're um, real hopeful that uh, um, it's it's not going to be an issue uh, for our athletes and that they've been working hard and those that wanted to participate are ready to move forward and get busy. So thanks for that, guys. And just really quickly, thank you to all of you that said who you could hear and who you couldn't, because that helped us kind of figure out what was going on a minute ago. I think that's the first major tech glitch we've had. <laughs> um, so, Bob, another thing that, that folks out there are asking um, is in the physical packet, it right. does say that students may have to have masks on on the field. Uh, oh, if I fail to mention that during the game, when you're ever on the sidelines, you, you should wear your mask. Football games, the players will have their mask on the sidelines. Baseball players sitting in the dugout should have their mask on. Basketball players that aren't on the court should have their mask so on. What, what about if they're actually in the middle of play? If they're in the middle of play, they do. They are not required to wear that mask. Okay. It says masks all re, all required unless a case of strenuous exercise or exertion. Well, I, we've interpreted that to mean while you're playing, you don't need to wear your mask. Okay. So I hope that clarifies that. So. Um, it's not a requirement that they wear them while they're playing. It's a requirement that they wear them unless they're strenuously exerting themselves. And the definition for CIF is if you're playing, right. it's not required. Okay. Um, so as we kind of, kind of continue to go through this process, um, again, the, the guidance that we have is – is changing rapidly, right? We, we've had four different, I think, guidance issuances in the last four weeks. Um, the last one came right after the let them play lawsuit was settled against the state of California. Um, and that's kind of what opened up the um, unauthorized uh, play, which would be the indoor sports. So Bob, at this point, knowing what we know, um, about indoor sports, and you said that the, the league really wouldn't be taking this up until the 5th of April. Right. What, what right now is kind of the tenor? I mean, should we – well, actually, let's back up to what we kind of have going on right now. When's the first football game? First official football game is Friday night, March 19th. We're in the process of trying to have a scrimmage, but we're not going to do this the wrong way. Uh, the problem is nobody in Humboldt has to test this week, so they all want to have a scrimmage. Uh, we had a call from Arcata. We're in contact with Arcata. I told our coach it's not off the table, but we don't want to scramble and do it the wrong way and then penalize ourselves for the following week. But just to let folks know, we are working very closely with public health, trying to get that testing done within that 24-hour window so we can do the scrimmage on Saturday. Right. And, and there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle here because Arcata will need to know. And But let's, we're going to focus more on March 19th. Fortuna Huskies are coming to town. We want to be ready for that. Yep. Uh, that's the I saw a question earlier about do cheerleaders have to test? No. The only teams that have to test right now are football and indoor sports, of which none are in play just yet. Uh, the, the testing requirements for indoor sports are much more stringent. Uh, it's a whole new animal. Right. So indoor sports, just so that you guys know, and here's just a little brief insight to that. Even before they can practice an indoor sport, every athlete, coach, volunteer has to receive a PCR test and be cleared to come in. After they receive the PCR test, um, then there is 
I think almost daily, daily. No, it's daily testing. An antigen testing. Um, and those antigen tests, if you're not aware, they, there's a 15-minute turnaround time. So between the time that we give the test, the student sits, we wait the 15 minutes, we know for sure whether they're um, positive or the test indicates a negative, um, then, then students can play. So that's a daily piece. Um, and then they have to be tested at least, was it 48 hours? Right, but with the daily test, we're going to be okay there. Yeah, we'll that, be fine that'll, there. that'll take um, care of it. But, but again, that's kind of that conflicting information that we're getting from right. the state. You have to have daily testing, but then you have to have a positive, or you have to have a negative test within 48 hours. Right. It's, it's kind of all over the map. That, and that's just one phase. Now, just so that you all know, and, and I don't know if this is common knowledge out there, we actually employ more healthcare providers, nurses, than Delmore Public Health. Um, our, our nurses are working with students all over the county every day. Um, and so to have them do this level of testing, then we would actually be potentially pulling them away from other duties with other students to be able to do these sorts of um, uh, daily tests for indoor sports. So we're trying to weigh our capacity to be able to test um, along with the um, um, I think the opportunities that our kids would have with athletics. Public health has been great. They've, they've offered to help us to the fullest extent that they can. So we're just trying to work those things out, but those are still a couple months away. Uh, potentially. Potentially. Um, so a couple, I'm just looking at some other questions here. Yeah. Um, what about kids who play multiple sports? They, they, they are not permitted to play multiple sports at this time. If you know of a high school student that may be involved in a club team and is participating at the high school level, give me a call. I'm not looking for that. I mean, it, it's, it's not okay. All the coaches are aware of that situation. No coach or player is allowed to participate in more than one sport at a time to the extent that we couldn't even have a kid go into the weight room and lift with the football team and then go out and throw a baseball around with the baseball team at this time. It's been made real clear over and over, uh, and that's it. You get one sport per season because of the COVID restrictions, CDPH guidelines, you, you're allowed one sport. Right, CD, CDPH, CIF at the high school level, it's one sport only. Um, if you have a child that plays AAU and they are playing, let's just say that they're being able to play something out there, and then they're also wanting to run track at eighth grade, um, the guidance and the rule is they can't. Um, they have to select one or the other. And again, the, the thought there from CDPH is limiting the exposure that the child in AAU would have with their peers that go to that school. Um, or limiting the exposure that students would have participating in two sports simultaneously. Now, on the flip side, if, if a child wants to do um, um, soccer this season, right. and by season we're talking just like a month, right. give or take, right? Pretty much. So if a student wanted to do soccer this season um, and then wanted to do softball in April, yeah. that's fine. Absolutely. They just can't overlap. Right. Can't overlap. Right. And Paige, I think that's the same with you, right? But I don't think you're planning on overlapping seasons at the middle school. You're going to have a track season and then a soccer season. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So we, we won't see any overlapping at the junior high level. Okay. Okay. 
And at the high school level, it's been scheduled. So far, we've scheduled the only, there'll be no games that overlap because kids are going to have to make choices on what sport they want to play. There's a, a week practice overlap. And most coaches are on board. If you're finishing up, say, uh, your football season, there's going to be a week of baseball practice that you're going to miss because you're playing football. And then the minute football season's over, you can go right into baseball practice. You won't miss any games because there's no overlap on games. So kids aren't going to be forced to miss any games. And at the league level, HDN league, we've tried real hard to maintain the integrity of our spring sports, baseball, softball, track, because those sports were cut last year. They didn't have a chance to play at all. Right. So a lot of questions about testing too. So I'm just going to kind of take some of these in order. Um, so one question was about antigen testing. All right. um, antigen tests, we all know there are some false positives. We also know that antigen tests have um, false negatives, right? Um, according to the CDPH guidance, um, we can use either uh, PCR tests or antigen tests. PCR tests, because of where we are, um, it's a longer turnaround. Most of our tests are processed down in Humboldt County. Some go all the way to Chico. Um, so at this point, again, talking to public health, talking to um, California Department of Public Health, hearing from CIF, the antigen tests for athletics are the way to go um, simply because they can be done daily and they're, they're a quick turnaround. Now, that being said, um, if a child does test positive, then the immediate next step is for them to go get a PCR test. If that PCR test comes back negative, then they'll be allowed back into play. If that PCR test comes back positive, um, we also know that with antibodies in your system, you can test positive for up to three months, right? Give or take, I think that was the last, the, the last kind of time frame that I had heard. Um, at that point, we'll follow the same sort of protocol that we currently have in schools. After a positive test, uh, there is a quarantine window. After that window, once you have been symptom-free for 24 hours without the assistance of uh, medication, um, then public health would release that, that student to come back into um, to sports and to school. So that's kind of that process. Now, what so the question came and I, I kind of answered it. What happens if they test positive, but they've been in school all day and pass the daily screener? We're still required by CDPH and by CIF to make sure that they go get a PCR test. They cannot participate until the results of that PCR test come back in negative. If the PCR comes back positive, then they do have to fulfill the quarantine and the release time back in. I can answer that anonymous that one, that bottom that one right there. This one, yeah. sure. Uh, there was a question about if a if a kid has tested positive for COVID in the past and has been cleared, has done the quarantine, has been cleared, will they have to test again because the data shows that they will continue to show a positive result? We just received word today that any kid that has had COVID, has tested positive, has been cleared, is exempt from testing. Uh, in the past 90 days, he's exempt from testing okay. because of the fact that they will continue to show positive, uh, this, this study or the data, the science behind it, which I'm not that familiar with, but that's what they said. So I have that document on my desk. 
<laughs> Perfect. Well, and, and that's just an example right there of how quickly things are changing because Absolutely. reading the reading the information yesterday, everybody had to test. That's something that's new today. Right. So, um, so again, a question about volleyball. If 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 it's indoors, does it mean volleyball next week is highly unlikely? If that the person on the screen is my head volleyball coach, I spoke <laughs> with her this morning. Has the same first name. Uh, that is dependent on the vote to come this Friday, which we discussed yesterday. Our hope is that volleyball can go because the nightmare is volleyball and basketball competing at the end of the year together and trying to share a, a, a gymnasium with volleyball, six volleyball or two volleyball teams and six basketball teams. Yeah. Very difficult, but uh, I can only speak for Del North's wishes. We wish that volleyball could start Mar March 15th. But I cannot speak for the other league members, of which there are eight that are be a part of the vote. I hope that answered your question, Megan. Uh, possibly. <laughs> okay. So the next question, I think, Bob, you can answer too, because we've had that conversation a couple of times. Football players have to be tested, but right. what about soccer? Uh, great question. Uh, the only way I can answer that is we've been given strict guidance from the CIF that football has to test along with rugby and water polo. We do not have rugby. We do not have water polo. There was no mention whatsoever that soccer needs to test. So with that said, uh, that was a CDPH, CIF uh, direction. And, yes, I know soccer players are in close contract, uh, contact frequently, but – I, I didn't set the regulations. I'm just, we're just going to go with what they've told us. So, Well, and, and here again, Bob and I have had many conversations about, and this goes back to the, um, I think the, some of the lack of clarity that are published in the um, guidelines from the state and that how those guidelines are interpreted. Uh, and some of those guidelines are in, reinterpreted by the state um, they're communicated to organizations like CIF or um, uh, other statewide education groups, but they never change the guidance that's been published online. So um, it creates some very odd um, circumstances because Bob and I initially thought it makes sense if you're in that high contact outdoor sport, which soccer is one, um, that you would have to be tested. We we felt that that was what was in that guidance, but the clarity that came out of CDPH and that was communicated to CAF was absolutely not. Soccer is not required to be tested. Um, um, so another question about the antigen test. Uh, the antigen test is still a nasal swab. Um, there is an agent that is applied to the test, uh, and then there's a 15-minute window. So um, it... it it's relatively simple. The students can actually do it themselves once they're shown how, um, but there's a, a process that they do have to go through. Um, I've done one. Uh, it wasn't difficult at all. It was really quick. Um, so, you know, as we kind of go through this process, just know it's not ultra intrusive. It's not, uh, it's not any sort of blood test or anything else. It, it's a quick antigen test. It's not a saliva test. Um, so just a little bit quicker process than a PCR. Um, what about quarantining? So okay. this may be for both of you, because Paige, you're going to have sixth, seventh, and eighth graders that are out there, Bob. You're going to have a right. lot of different things going on. 
if one player is positive, then does the entire team have to quarantine? And on the other, uh, one other part is, well, we'll talk about vaccines here in just a second. So if one player is positive, how are we working on the quarantine? Well, uh, we were looking at that before I came over, actually. Uh, the guidelines from CIF in conjunction with California Department of Public Health, CDPH, said in the case of a positive test, refer to K-12 reopening of schools guidelines. Mm-hmm. If you read that, there, there are specific steps. The main thing you have to consider here is contact that the positive student had with the members of the team. Who's going to determine was he within six feet for more than 15 minutes of how many of those players? That's, that's where it gets sticky. The easiest thing to do would say, yeah, we got to shut it down. But that's also the hardest thing we would do. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a case of, you know, if, if common sense prevails and the day he tested positive, the teams were split in half, offense here, defense there, that's not the whole team in, in close proximity. We can split hairs, but that's something we're going to have to address if the situation arises. Uh, I'm not the expert, but I would seek guidance in that situation. The same with uh, – it's the same guidance as, as school. It's, it's difficult at best. It right. could be a ripple effect that could, I, I don't know where to go with that. Other oh, yeah. than it's a, it's a case by case. We have to close, do the tracing and, and determine close yeah. Uh, contact. Yeah. So, so it's that contact tracing piece again, and it's within six feet for 15 minutes or more over a 24 hour period. Um, so I think, like you said, Bob, it really does depend on the activities they were doing, who was present at the time, right. what what maybe that practice looked like or that game looked like. Right. And then, Paige, you guys are at the same um, place at the at the middle school, right? I mean, it's and, and you've been through this contact tracing bit once or twice. Yes, yes, we have, and and I think Bob really said it well. You know, it is a case by case. Uh, that we will look into that to try to complete that contact tracing, taking a look at all the moving parts. So uh, I will reiterate, I'm not an expert, but I will reach out uh, to the both of you. I'll reach out to our coaches and we will do the best that we can to do get that contract uh, tracing completed to find out who may be uh, in jeopardy and, and then move forward. But like... We, you know, the last thing we want to do is shut down what we're just beginning to start. And so, you know, my hope is that if everyone is, um, you know, doing their part, this, you know, physical distance, wearing their mask when they're supposed to, uh, you know, I can tell you that um, since we've opened up um, here at Crestnell, we haven't had anyone um, test positive uh, from a school based. It's been mainly family to family member to family member. Um, so we're hoping to continue that as we move forward with the opening of our sports. If everyone's doing a good job and doing what they should be, it shouldn't be an issue, I hope. Yeah. And Bob, Dage, any idea, I mean, with the vaccines, if someone is vaccinated, once they're vaccinated, um, will um, coaches be able to avoid the quarantine? Have you heard any I have seen nothing or read nothing that states if you've been vaccinated, you do not require quarantine when involved with a team or, or a school. So as I know CDC has said something along those lines, but we've got nothing official from CDPH right. or from CIF. Right. 
So, so we'll keep up on that. Um, the, so the other piece that came up was talking about rapid tests. So just so that everybody knows, these um, antigen tests that we're talking about are rapid tests. So uh, from the time of the swab to the time that the agent, the reagent or whatever it is, says that the child is positive or, or negative, um, it's a 15-minute wait time. So um, what we're trying to work through right now on the testing, what we're trying to discuss around the testing is, you know, Bob and I were talking just the football team alone with the coaches and supports. We're talking about 100 people. And so um, we have five school nurses, six school nurses. Uh, public health has three. Um, so you can think about how stretched all of those people are going to be coming into just testing for football, even once a week. So um, we're working the process now. And part of that process, again, maybe teaching the players how to do their own tests and then gathering those tests um, and, and applying the agent while students are separated. And then once the test is, is uh, test results are in, then they go back to play. So um, again, it is rapid 15 minutes. Um, and we'll give more information on that as it, as it becomes available, because ultimately we may be able to offer those to more than just athletes as well. Um, so also immediate households. Want me to address that? Yeah. Uh, the question is, when you say immediate household members, does that mean who lives in a player's house or houses? Uh, I would say yes. That's exactly what it means. Uh, however, I'm going to be in charge of the, the list at both home and away games. Uh, we're going to tell our participants that they're allowed to put down four immediate household members, and the names they put down are the four people they're sitting with. So if they feel comfortable sitting with that group of people, I, I'm not going to question and make people show me their IDs, where they live, or who they live with on Wednesday and who they live with on Monday. Uh, we're going to leave it up to the – and act for some responsible adults and put down their proper names. and. And that's who I, we will have to go by. But uh, my interpretation of immediate household members, that means they live with them. <laughs> or in the case of a split family, the, the, the student athlete spends time at the, at the father's house and then spends some time at the mother's house. So, so both of those would be households, but still there would only be four total family members allowed in or household members allowed right. in. Good question. Um, and... and so there's a rumor going around about not using your head in soccer. Uh, that's strictly a rumor. Yeah, so, yeah, nothing about that. Um, so in the household members, can those lists change by game? So, Absolutely. So, yeah. Paige, are you guys going to allow people to kind of swap out family members? I, when, when different track meets come about or whatever? You know, we're really hoping that we can accommodate, um, you know, the households coming in there. We're going to have to do a little bit more homework. We're going to, you know, we're really anticipating a large turnout for track. But what we're going to try to do ahead of time is get a number count and then go from our participants and kind of go, okay, if we went four per household, what would it look like in that particular environment, whether it was at the soccer field or Del Norte High School's track? So we're going, we're kind of going to go backwards. We're going to try to figure out how many participants, and then we will start putting things in uh, in in place 
so that we can meet that requirement that everyone can uh, socially distance. Well, and I'm just going to be honest with the public too, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I'm going to tell you the conversation that Bob and I had. Um, I don't like the idea of limiting the number of people that can participate. I understand the distancing. Um, I understand um, not mixing of families because the last thing we want is a major outbreak of COVID in our community that sets us all back, whether it's for athletics or businesses. I don't want us to go back into the purple tier because that impacts so much more than just our schools, but it definitely would impact our students. Um, but this idea of four members per household, um, that is a CIF decision. Um, or HDN decision. Uh, and so that's really what we're going to have to stick with, especially at the high school level. And because it's about equity and it's about fairness, that's what we're also going to stick with at the middle school level as well. So another question, is testing mandatory for students going back to school as well or just testing for sports? So again, this is just testing for sports and it's only testing for football and for um, indoor sports. Um, the, the mitigation for classrooms really has been these stable groups of students in the classroom on Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday cohorts with masks and hand sanitizing. Um, you know, we've had a lot of people that have said, get every kid back in school every day. And I'm just gonna say one more time, we can't do that simply because we don't have enough room in the classrooms for that many students. Um, I will tell you though, what we are hearing is there is discussion, especially around Sacramento, around what the beginning of next school year looks like, that if we have enough immunizations and we have the availability of testing, not mandatory testing, but the availability of testing, um, that more students may be allowed back into classrooms. So we don't know what that's going to look like, but just know that we're only talking about testing for football and indoor sports at this point. Um, so no testing for soccer. Again, that was another question that popped up. Um, there was a question, Bob, I think you had mentioned that band would not be there. So the question is, since band has always been in their own set section, can't they take the same test as the football team and be able to participate? Well, interesting question, but I think the band uh, is not interested in playing at games this year because of the COVID issues and the fact that we are limited. And yeah, the band members would still have to be social distance if they're in the stands and that would really limit our capacity. Not that I'm against the band being there. I think that adds 100% to the festivities of the game. Uh, but it was an individual choice with that group. So, sorry, but it's probably for the better, actually, in this instance, because now we can allow the parents of the participants to be there. The band is planning on putting on a performance later this year, a live performance in the stadium, which I think would please... Uh, mainly uh, the band members and their parents and, and the school, uh, that'll be a plus. So, And, of course, it'll be live streamed, too, just yeah. like everything else. Yeah, I hope I answered your question there. So we're out of time. I, we've got time for one more quick question. Um, so, Paige, this is really kind of for you. So when middle school track meets are going, um, 
are they going to have all the schools in Delaware County at the high school? And is it going to involve all four middle schools? Um, yes. Um, in years past, we've welcomed, uh, you know, junior high track teams from Oregon as well as Humboldt County. And it has been a true joy to get that competition going this year. Unfortunately, it will be uh, just for local teams from our uh, respective schools. So um, we're, we're hoping to move forward with that right now and uh, see how it goes. We're really looking forward to kicking off that, that first track meet. We've got some new equipment coming in that we're really excited about. It's going to hopefully speed up the process of our track meets and reduce the volunteers needed in order to run a track meet efficiently. Um, I'm sorry, was there a second part? Well, it's just, are, are the meets going to be at Del Norte High? And I think we're yes. planning on all the meets at Del Norte. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thankfully, you know, the high school has been very gracious for many, many years and allowing us to, to have the competitions there. Uh, it's a beautiful facility, as many of us are aware of, and it's it just really a nice place to go to gather uh, for those track meets. Um, many of the other tracks locally are either uh, crushed granite or dirt. So it's nice to get on that uh, beautiful track there at the high school and and continue our tradition uh, of track there. So, guys, you know, we could probably keep going and going and going for a lot of these different um, uh, questions that are starting to pop up. Um, but I want to thank you for kind of joining us and giving some of this background information. I know that all of our principals and Bob, you for the high school are going to be shooting out a lot of information um, in the upcoming days and weeks. Um, and, you know, just know that when we talk about athletics at the high school level, that is Del Norte High. When we talk about athletics at the middle school level, we're talking Smith River, Redwood, Crescent Elk and Mountain School. Correct. So um, it's our entire seventh eighth program. So uh, anyway, guys, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you all for, for sticking around. Again, we could probably keep going for another hour with Q&A mm -hmm. on this. Um, I do apologize that we had so many um, uh, technical issues that kind of put us behind, uh, but we may be coming back to this a little bit later and we'll be able to answer some more questions. So thanks everybody and have a good afternoon. Yeah. Thank you.